Well, good morning. And it's so, so exciting to be with you guys. Hard to believe this is your third year anniversary. Wow, give, your, give yourselves a hand for that, right? I mean, three years. That's really, really exciting. Um, and, and I will reiterate what Dustin said last week, um, if you were here. And he, he bragged a little bit about you guys. But I don't think you guys realize the good thing that you have here. Um, like, your elders and your leadership are doing a really, really good thing. Um, and so, listen to them. And... Uh, and pray over them and pray for them because um, they're, they're really doing a good thing for you guys. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, you just saw my family. Um, that video was shot almost a year ago now. Hard to believe that my kids, how fast they grow, like how much they have changed um, just in that short time. But um, we are excited to be here in the Charleston area. When that video was filmed, we didn't know, we didn't know where we were going to live. Um, we just knew that God was calling us to Charleston. We were still living in Arlington, Texas at the time, and so it's pretty cool to see all the things that have taken place um, since then, how God has changed our lives, and where we're at now is really, really cool. But uh, what I want to do um, is share with you guys from Scripture um, what God laid on my heart years ago and continues to kind of um, mold and shape me. Um, too, but everything that I do, I want to make sure is biblical, right? So, like when I do stuff in my life, when the way that I raise my kids, how I respond in a work situation, how I treat my neighbors, I want to make sure those things are biblical. And so today we're going to look in Ephesians chapter three, some things that God has shown has showed me and uh, has shown me and continues to show me, and um, how the Pines Church was kind of birthed out of of this. So. Thank you guys for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Charlie and David and Joel and the elders, the opportunity to to present and share with you some things that are on my heart. Um, But Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And um, so if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we will start in verse 1. The Bible says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. All right, so we need to stop right there real quick. So those first three verses, um, the reason we need to stop right there is because Paul starts this chapter with um, a phrase, and he says, for this reason. In other words, a therefore. And Dustin even mentioned it. Joel has mentioned it. But um, anytime you have a therefore in Scripture or a for this reason or a wherefore, you you have to look back and see what it's there for. And so because Paul starts chapter 3 with therefore... He is extending a thought that he established earlier. And so we got to go back to chapter 2. So if you flip over a page or two, um, go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we will look at the the thought that he continues in chapter 3. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, whoa. You guys feel the weight of, of that verse? Like, that's heavy. Paul doesn't hold anything back. He says, we're dead in our trespasses and, sin, and sins. We're following the course of this world. We're following after the prince of the power of the air. Like, we're sons of disobedience. I don't know if you've seen this fleshed out in your life, but um, I have three kids, as you saw in the video, Dylan, Brianne, and Trey, and despite what a lot of people tell us, my kids are not perfect angels. Um, I don't know if you guys get that, but like, we'll go out in public, and they will, be, they will actually listen for like five seconds, and someone will see that, and they're like, oh, your kids are such angels, and it's like, no, you come hang out with us for a couple of hours, and you will realize they're not angels, right? Any parents agree with that? Yes, yes, okay. So we were, um, this was when we were living back in Texas, and um, you kind of have to know the personality of my kids, but one night I'm tucking my kids in bed, and my younger son, um, Dylan is his name, the poor kid has got some serious, um, I hate to say this, but some serious BO issues. Like, he stinks. 
Um, and we try to help him, like, son, I know you're only like six years old, but you, you really need to apply deodorant every single morning. Um, I mean, it's bad. The problem, he sweats really bad. He does not get that from his father. I've never been a guy that like sweats really profusely. I know people who do, um, but that's not me. And so, but, but he has this, and I don't know where he got it from, but just sweats really bad. I mean, it'll be 70 degrees in the house. He's sleeping, no covers on, and there is a wet ring around his pillow from where he's sweating. It's just nasty. So one night, he, they had gotten out of the shower, and they were going to bed, and I, t- I looked at Dylan, and I said, hey, son, did you put deodorant on when you got in the shower? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, then why do you stink? And he's like, I didn't put deodorant on. <laughs> So I was like, well, go put the owner on. So he goes, and he leaves the room, right? And so he had just lied to me, and I'm like, so I'm frustrated. And my older son is, is in the room as well. They share a room. They, there's some bunk beds. And he, he kind of leans up, and he says, Dad. Now, this is, I think he was 10 at the time. He kind of leans up in the bed. He goes, Dad, you just got to understand. He's just in that lying stage. <laughs> and I'm like, What? You're 10 years old. Like, you're still in the lying stage, right? (laughs) Come on. So, um, like, this stuff, what Paul is talking about, is inherited. right? I didn't have to teach my son to lie to me that night. And as parents, we know that. If you're not a parent yet, you will, hopefully one day, you will get the joys of knowing that um, disobedience is inherited in us. (laughs) Um, And they do that from pretty much the first cry when they come out of the womb. Um, So... It's like that first cry is, I'm going to disobey you. So Paul is not is sharing some, some stuff that's pretty deep. And it's pretty serious. We're not taught this. We're all born with this. And, and by nature, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're sinful. And, and so that's why this is a, a really heavy verse, because it, it hits us, and it's like, wow, there's nothing good in us. Despite what culture may teach us, like, we can't do anything good. The good thing, though, that Paul doesn't just end Ephesians and his writing to the church at Ephesus here with this bad news. And that's what this is. is really bad news. The good thing is, because there's bad news, there's an opportunity now for good news. So because Paul presented something that's bad there is an opportunity that there can be something good, right? If there was no bad and there was no good, it would just be news, right? If, if you're out there on, um, you're playing baseball or you're playing football, if, you're, if you don't have the opportunity to be bad, then you don't have the opportunity to be good. It, you would just be playing, and there would be no bad and good. So because Paul starts this with some really bad news for us, thankfully, there's an opportunity for some really good news. And that's what we call the gospel, right? The gospel uh, really means the good news, and that's what Dustin even mentioned last week um, when he was up here. So Paul has, there's an opportunity now for some good news. So in verse 4, verse 4 starts with, but God. So here's this really awful stuff, but God. Like two verses that completely change the scope of eternity. We have this awful stuff, but God. He goes on to say, but God, who being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, if it was up to us, (laughs) we'd be in a world of trouble. But God. So in five verses, Paul goes from one extreme to the other. He goes from the worst news possible that we can get to the best news, the greatest news possible. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this, right? Maybe, maybe you came into to this auditorium here at the church at Cane Bay, and this is the first time you've really heard that, like, you're sinful. But God made a way for you, and God loves you. I don't know where you're at spiritually, um, but God does love you. And despite your um, weaknesses, despite your faults, He still sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. When I was five years old, I was sitting in um, an evening church service. This was 
um, back in Savannah, Georgia. That was where I was born and raised. Um, And so I was sitting in a church service when I was really young, and it was an evening service, and I remember the pastor talking and presenting and preaching, and the, the message that I remember was about hell. And I remember like thinking in my mind for the first time as a five-year-old little kid that like hell was real. And I felt the weight of that, like I'm going to hell. And so as um, the pastor got finished with his message, I remember walking forward and there was a guy there, maybe it was a pastor, I don't remember who it was, but they met me down front and I remember going into like a side door and there were some offices down a hallway and I remember sitting in a in an office. It was lined with bookshelves. It was kind of a rectangular room. And I remember sitting in front of a desk. Um, I sat in one chair. The the guy that that walked me back there sat in another chair. And he opened up the Bible and showed me how I can know for sure um, about God's love for me. And that I don't have to spend an eternity in hell. And for the first time, um, I, I understood and I realized that my sins have consequences for them. And that is eternal an existence away from God like eternally that's what that's what death means spiritual death is an eternity away from God and I knew that I didn't want to be there and so I prayed that night accepted Christ's forgiveness forgiveness for me did I understand the whole gospel and what it really means in its entirety no but I understood that hell was real And that my sins and my wrongdoings have serious consequences to them. Paul continues this thought of being saved by grace. And he writes in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. He reiterates here. Um, in eight and, verses 8 and 9, that there's, there's nothing that we can do, and it's all because of the grace of God. Paul ends this thought without, about being dead in, um, in our sins and being alive with Christ um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And we see another word there, therefore. So we have to understand, before we can read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, the weight of what Paul just mentioned in these first 10 verses. That we're dead in our sins. We're by nature deserving of wrath. But God made a way for us and that we can be saved by grace through faith. So understanding that, then we can go to verses 11 and he says, Therefore remember that at one time you, gen- you, remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God. There's those words again, but now in Christ Jesus. Basically, but God. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So at this point, Christ has fulfilled his work on the earth. He came, um, he lived a perfect life. He taught his disciples well, though they messed up often. He has ascended into heaven, and he's given the great commission at this point to his followers. And that great commission is basically to to go and make disciples of all nations. This church in Ephesus has now been started, and Paul is writing and addressing them in this letter. And at the time of this letter, now we have kind of a weird dynamic that has taken place in the religious circle here, because now we have Jews and Gentiles that are like mixing together. That's what Paul's talking about. Like we have circumcision and uncircumcision. So we have Jews and we have Gentiles. And this was kind of new to them. They didn't really, before this church in Ephesus was started, before Christ left, like there were a whole lot of like when the, in the temples and things, there were just, it's just Jews. And so now they have Jews and Gentiles are worshiping together. And Paul's telling them that 
in verses 1 through 10 that this doesn't just apply to the descendants of the covenants of promise. It doesn't just apply to the nation of Israel. So verses 1 through, th- 1 through 10 at that time, like the nation of Israel thought they were better than everyone else because like we've got this stuff and you don't. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you guys have it all wrong. This isn't something that just the Jews get the privilege to experience. This isn't something that is just for the nation of Israel, but it's, it's something that like all of mankind gets. And this is something that he kind of talked about earlier in Ephesians when he talked about um, being adopted, and which for me and my wife, we, we have not adopted yet. We have friends that have um, adopted, and it's really neat to see like the unconditional love that happens when someone adopts a child into their home and even though they don't look like them, they don't talk like them, they don't smell like them, they bring them in and are loved unconditionally by that family. That's the picture that Paul's talking about. The Jews, they have this amazing grace of God, and they held it in. They did not go out and adopt. <laughs> and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. We, we need to adopt others in just like God has adopted us. He says that the Gentiles, they were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. They had no hope. They were without God in the world. Paul continues this thought about being strangers, but now fellow citizens, and we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but that's kind of where he continues to go. And so then we get to, we get to chapter 3. So now we understand like where Paul is coming from when we get to chapter 3, that, that we're dead in our sins, that we, we need something, and God made a way for us. And this isn't something that is just for the nation of Israel, but all of mankind gets the privilege to partake in. And so if you have your Bibles, again, go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, So when you read this, you can perceive my insights into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs. They are members of the same body. They are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So he's kind of reiterating what he talked about. We're all sharers in the promise of Jesus. We all get to partake in this. We all get the privilege of receiving the grace of God. It doesn't matter whether you are white or black. It does not matter whether you are rich or poor. It does not matter whether you are uneducated or well-educated. Those things mean nothing. God's grace is for all, period. Not just for the Jews, and not just for the Gentiles, but for everybody. Money doesn't matter, skin color doesn't matter, age doesn't matter, education doesn't matter. The grace of God's for everyone. This is really tough. And if we're honest, guys, this is, this is tough for us personally. If we really understood this, it would change the way we treat our servers when they do a really lousy job in the restaurant this afternoon. It would change the way we respond to our coworkers when they're very rude to us. Like it, it would, like if we really understood it. The things that are happening in Ferguson, Missouri, and in Savannah, Georgia probably wouldn't happen. If we really understood this stuff. And it's sad because our culture is the opposite of this. But God's grace is for everyone. It's not for just the people that you like to hang out with. 
And this is, this is like a game changer. You guys realize that? At this point, and Paul's talking about it, like this was a mystery. This mystery of Christ, like this is new to us. They don't know how to really take this information, much less how to apply it. And even in the church today, some 2,000 years later, we're still struggling with this. He continues, chapter 3, verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given, given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light, bring to light for everyone was what is the plan of the mystery that is hidden for ages in God who created all things. So Paul here is like, really humbled that he gets, that he's entrusted with this information to, to share. Like, it's humbling to him. I'm the very least of all the saints. Like, why do I get the privilege of being able to present this information? So because of God's grace, Paul gets to tell the people about this mystery. And if we understand about Paul's life, you would know why he would feel that way. Here's a guy who killed Christians. And yet, a few years later, he's telling about how we're to love everyone. That's crazy. But that's what the gospel can do. I don't know how many of you guys are fans of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Love Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's an awesome guy. Never met him, though, so don't really know that. Um, anybody ever met Jimmy Fallon in here? No? Anyway, so this week, if you watched Jimmy Fallon this week, he had a pretty cool guest on his show um, that was really awesome to see. And he had a, a gospel rapper named Lecrae on the show. And he was on there rapping with the Tonight Show band, The Roots. And really cool to see that because Jimmy Fallon basically gave him an opportunity to talk about his, his new album that just came out that is number one on the Billboard uh, charts this week, which was crazy. Like, Christian rapper, number one? That's unheard of. And so Lecrae is... You know, when you look at that, you're like, oh, Christian rap, you know. I, I, I used to think, oh, that's not, that's, that's great. Um, but kind of the way I was brought up was in a very traditional um, kind of religious setting, and so we didn't really look into that. But if we understand what we're talking about here, right, Lecrae is doing something that is unique and is unusual, and that he is going into an area of culture that is so dark and presenting the gospel message to these people. Like he has a unique message and he's sharing it in a unique way to a, a segment of people in the society that don't hear those type of things. Like, and we should applaud that. Like we should go out and buy Lecrae's CD today, right? Go, go, go out uh, to iTunes and download it. Like let's support him because what he's doing is really, really cool. And he's doing what Paul's talking about. He's going into an area and presenting the gospel to people. God's grace is for everyone, not just certain segments of society. If you ever read the book of Acts, you know that the gospel exploded in the Middle East right after Christ ascended into heaven. Jesus left and told his followers to do what? Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Not just go make disciples of people that you like to hang out with. Not just your friends. Not just your family. But all nations. Everyone. So go to verse 10, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul continues and he says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly heavenly places. What? Let me read that again. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. See, the local church is the agent that God is using to make his name known. The local church is the agent that God is using to get the gospel message out. The local church is the agent that God is using to reveal this mystery to all people. The word church in verse 10, you guys have probably heard this, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means 
a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. This isn't the building. This isn't just the elders. Like We right now represent the church. The people represent the church. So Paul's not saying that the building is the agent that God's going to use. Right, Put a big steeple up. You build it, they will come. Build dreams, what's up? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that your elders are the agent that God's going to use. No, just the church leadership, just the worship pastor, just the student pastor, let him take care of the students. The local church. It's not my job. It's not Charlie's job. It's our job. When I worked at Domino's, um, I had a part-time job a couple years ago, and I remember working there, and I was intentional about not telling them I'm a pastor because <laughs> um, you just get looked at differently, you get talked to differently, and I, I wanted to be able to, uh, before that information came out, kind of just tell them I'm an old guy, you know, care about them. Um, so one day, we're sitting in there, and one of the assistant managers knew what I did for my full-time job, was just doing this on the, part, on the side, and she got up in front of, like, we were slow one night, and there's probably 15 people in there. There's like seven, eight drivers and some people making pies and the managers and stuff. And she goes, hey, everybody, did, did you guys know that BJ is like a full-time pastor? And everybody like looks at me like, really? I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> it was really awkward. But, yeah, I mean, it was cool. So at that point now, everybody changed how they looked at me. For the next two weeks... Like, anytime we were slow, somebody would come over and they would just share their problems with me. Hey, man, um, I don't know, like, what to do in this situation, but my, my parents are, like, really mean to me. And Great. <laughs> like, weird stuff was being presented. Now uh, that I when, I, when I moved here, you know, we didn't know what income was going to look like, job was going to look like. And so I just started working for um, a guy that has his own heating and air conditioning company. I've kind of grew up doing that, and so I started working on that. And if you know, if you work in the construction field, like, that's a pretty tough field to be in. And so, um, but it's pretty cool because now we have Brian, who is the owner, and Greg, who is, like, the second-hand guy. Like, they know what I do. They know why I'm here. And they, I had the opportunity one day to sit in a vehicle with Greg, who is far from God, doesn't go to church, hasn't been in church since he was, like, six years old, seven years old, um, doesn't live the Christian life, doesn't really understand God's grace for him. And we got to talk about faith one day for like 45 minutes, just talking, and how he struggles with things. There was another kid, um, Tyler, who works with Brian. He's like 20 years old, and just a couple weeks ago, we, I got the opportunity to talk with him. His dad um, left when he was a really young kid, and I'm like, Dude, I'm really sorry about that. And uh, I was like, you seem to be doing okay? And he, I was like, he's like, yeah. I said, you just graduate high school? He said, yeah, I graduate high school. I was like, dude, awesome. Like, good for you that your dad's not around in prison somewhere in Louisiana. And, like, you had, you finished school. And we got to talk a little bit just about how, you know, just trying to show him some love. Like, but do, let me ask you guys this. Does that stuff happen with you? Right? If we're the church, if it's not just the elder's responsibility, if it's not just the leadership's responsibility, if everyone's responsibility, do those things happen with you? Do you get to have conversations like that with your neighbors? With the people that you work with? I mean, we can come every Sunday morning and listen to great messages and awesome worship music and get to hang out in community, but is that changing your life? Do what you hear, does it really resonate with you, and does it change the way that you respond to people Monday through Saturday? That's the question, because it should. God has used this passage to completely change my life. My parents are here today. Just, just go ask my parents what kind of kid I was. Like, They'll tell you. But God wants his name to be made known through the church. So in order for this to happen... Obviously, we need churches. 
And so this is why that I moved my family five states away from Texas to South Carolina to start a church, because I understand the need for the gospel to get out through the church. So we're not just starting one church. Like we, plan, like we want to launch churches just like you guys do. We want to launch churches. Dustin talked about it last week, the importance of having churches and establishing churches in North America. So that's what, like this is what God has led me to do. I want to share with you real quick through a video um, God's vision for what we're going to be doing. Check it out. So the way that we verbalize um, going and making disciples of all nations is that we want, we want to change the perception of church. We want to change what people think church can be and is in their life. And um, it's really cool to see how God has used that in my life and how he's brought other people um, to this as well. And one of those couples is Brad and Mary Carmack. So thankful for them. I met them in Texas. They were kind of filling in, and they were counselors in the youth group when we got there, and I was on staff there, so got to spend several years with him, and I, w- I wanted to, I invited him up to share a little bit um, just about discipleship in his life and what that looks like. He is going to be kind of the discipleship pastor, connections pastor, basically the guy that takes you from first-time guest to fully committed follower, and so that's kind of the area that he's going to head up in our church, and uh, so I asked him to share a little bit about what that looks like. background on me. Um, now, my testimony is not a complicated one, um, but I will say that it's full of God's grace, um, mercy, and just completely never-ending love from the very beginning. Um, it's really cool to hear uh, me talk about even adoption because me personally, I am adopted. Um, my birth mother, from the beginning, thankful to God, chose life and adoption for me rather than you know death. I was placed in a loving family, um, a strong Christian family, um, as a little bitty baby. And so from the very beginning in my life, God was just all over my life, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, My mom is amazing. Uh, She's my mom, um, and uh, I'm just thankful that I have her. And that's from the very beginning, God gave me that. So um, I do want to say also that um, from the very beginning, like, we are all called to full-time ministry, Um, you and me. Like, back in Texas, I was the student pastor. Uh, it wasn't a full-time staff job at all, but it was full-time because I poured into those students. But so I still worked a secular job. Um, but it was just as much uh, my calling at GM Financial to spread the gospel and pour into people from a spiritual level as it was my job as a student pastor to pour into those students and give them the gospel week in and week out. Just as it's your job to do the same thing, whether you're on staff at a church, um, working at GameStop, which I do. I'm a nerd, guys. I'm a gamer. Don't hate me for it, okay? I love my games. Um, but it's just as much my job there, or at Buffalo Wild Wings, which I serve there uh, part-time as well, to pour into those people and give them the gospel. Um, and so when I was 16, flat out, I gave my life over to God. Um, 
because he had done so much for me and the things that he had done for me, um, just life in general, is so huge that I had no other option. It was the only thing that made sense was to give my life to him um, and let him do whatever he wanted to do with it because, frankly, he gave it to me, um, and I, it just it was the only thing that made sense. So fast forward to 2009, and that's where I met this guy. Um, he came down uh, to Texas, uh, him and his family, and that's the first time that I got to meet BJ. I had no idea that um, our relationship would turn into what it is, and we would be out here in South Carolina with him, but I, I am so grateful um, and thankful that, that we are here with him. We love uh, him and his family deeply. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a great thing. So uh, in 2009, they came down. Um, God started putting some stuff in, in to, into movement. And um, over the last three years, um, I would say probably at least once, maybe twice a week, I would find myself in his office, and we would be talking just about life, about whatever. I mean, he's, we're really good friends, and so we would just sit and talk. I mean, you know, you're, you're with your buddy. You just talk about stuff. And um, needless to say, every time we would talk, um, this idea or concept of church planning would come up. Like, I knew that this was something that him and his family had before them, that church planning was uh, their ultimate goal. I had no idea that we would be a part of it um, <laughs> at the time, but it was just interesting looking back, like, over our relationship, how God had put things into movement from the very beginning, back to 2009, and here we are in 2014, and just how integral uh, he is in way putting pieces together. So we would talk about that, and um, ultimately, um, the church planning thing would always come up, and needless to say, we're here. Um, I had no idea that that would happen, um, but it did, and God, um, God is doing some great things. Um, and so we are here um, with BJ and Nikki, and um, you know my wife and I are so thankful uh, for this and for uh, this relationship that God has. And you know BJ said that we that basically when starting um, a church with the intention of reaching unchurched po- the unchurched population, which is what we want to go for, obviously Christians too, but you know we we all have that desire to bring people to God who don't know Him. Um, that discipleship has to be at the core of what you do. Um, and man, it's just so true. Like discipleship is so key in what we do in our day to day lives. Um, but I think I think sometimes that that word discipleship can be confused. Like obviously, if, there, if an unchurched person is around, they're not going to know that word. And maybe they do because maybe they've heard it, uh, uh, just you know, on the side. But it, you know, what is discipleship? And you know, to me, it's it's a personal relationship with someone. It's a personal, passionate devotion to a person. It's a relationship. When you're doing discipleship with someone, you're pouring into that person. It's, it's a passionate relationship that you have with someone that you're pouring in. You see that with Jesus with his 12. Those are personal moments that Christ had with his 12. And that's discipleship. That's what he's doing. It's not, it's not a devotion uh, to principles or to a cause. That's not what church is. That's not what we're doing. This is not, this is not a fad, what we're doing here this morning, what you guys have been doing over the last three years. This is, this is real. And that's what discipleship is. We can't have discipleship without a relationship. You can't disciple someone if you don't have a relationship with them. Um, and so, you know, that's what that's what we have. That's what BJ and I have. Yeah, we're friends, and um, it's you know, he's he's my best. I love this guy. Man, I would do anything for him. And yeah, we we still talk. We hang out. We'll go play tennis. I beat him last time we played. So, uh, we play golf together. Um, and I, I'm from Texas, born and raised. I'm always going to be a Texas A&M fan, dig them. But I will say that this guy has got me pulling for Georgia football. I love these dogs football, guys. So I'm sorry, South Carolina fans. <laughs> I love these dogs football, good dogs. Um, and it's because of him. So, you know, <laughs> so you know, we, we have those moments. But I will tell you that through all of that, through all the times we hang out, that there's discipleship happening. That there are not many men in my life that I will let speak into my life. And not that I don't love them. But there are men that, as guys, you know, that you hold close to your heart, that you allow them to speak into you. And this is one of those guys for me. And that's what discipleship is. But it's not something that happens the first time we met either. It takes time. Um, and so that's what discipleship is. And that's what we pray for at the Pines Church as we move forward for God to do is to build relationships and to allow us to yeah. make disciples. Yeah, one of the cool things, um, you, and if you want to learn more about our story, you can get that later. But like we didn't start off very well. Like our relationship, our relationship was not good initially, um, and so to see God completely change that to where it is today, I mean that, and, and it's really true that discipleship happens at the first, the first like interaction you have with someone, whether it's the checkout person who's going to check you out at Publix today, 
or your server or the person that sits next to you at work. Like, those are all moments for, for discipleship to take place that many times we don't really think through. Um, and so it's really cool to see how God has used this relationship, even though it was really rocky at the beginning, to where it is today. Um, and so th- we want to reproduce this over and over and over again at the Pines. That we're passionate about that. If we're reaching unchurched people, like, unchurched people, they don't know what to do. Like, this is all new to them. And so we have to establish relationships with them and show them by the way that we live, not by giving them in- in- information. Here, here, here's how you live your life. Read this. Read James. I'll tell you a lot. You know, that'll help you along the way. No, let's model it. And so that's what, uh, really cool to see God use that in our life. So how can you help? Um, obviously, we are much stronger together. Um, we, we just moved here less than 12 months ago. Um, like, I still use Siri to help me get around. Um, so it would be really good to have some people that would come from this community that would help, in, in, would help us, would come alongside us and help us. So how can you help? Um, well, that's, glad you asked. First thing you do is pray. Glad you asked. <laughs> Yeah, the second thing you can do, you can give. Um, obviously, we don't want the church at Cane Bay to be hurting, hurt at all financially, so we want your tithes and offerings to stay here. So the, the point of this isn't to say, well, we'll, we'll just reallocate some tithes and offerings to the Pines Church. That's not what we want to do. We want, you, as God blesses you and you have surplus, like, we have needs. And I'll show you real quick uh, with a video of some of the things that, that we could use help with.
So that's one of the main needs that we have right now. Um, we, we were able to get some outside funding um, to help with some of just the basic budget stuff, but these upfront costs um, really are coming up pretty quick. And, and so if you, if you can help in any way, that would be awesome um, financially. Or if you have stuff that like you would donate to us. Earlier this week, we got a drum set. Um, someone gave us a full drum kit. So, um, so there's things like that. If you, if you have something or if you know of someone that has something that we could utilize, let me know. Um, get with me. And so those are some things that we need that are pretty pressing. Um, the last thing that you can do is you can go with us. There, we have three areas that you can, you can do with this. Uh, first, you can, you can be a fan. What is a fan? Well, it's someone who comes, they sit, and they enjoy. That's it. So as we launch in January, if you want to just come and sit, awesome. Second thing, second way, the second level is uh, we have players. What do players do? Well, they show up early, right? They have um, spring practice and fall practice, and they show up early. Um, they participate, and they leave late. So if you want to come and volunteer, well, maybe it's six weeks. Maybe it's two months. Um, but you want to do that, awesome. The third level we have is we have owners. What are owners? Well, they're heavily invested into our ministry. They buy into the vision. They have a long-term commitment. They're there for the long haul. Um, so these are the three areas that we have um, that you can get plugged in. So if, if God is sparking an interest, I challenge you to come talk to one of us. We're going to be back here in the back at a table. We've got a sign-up sheet. So if you want to just be, come and be a fan for a couple of months when we launch in January, maybe for the first month, you just want to come, sit, enjoy, um, just to be a butt in a seat, awesome. Um, come sign up and be there. It'd be great. Uh, if you want to be a player and you want to help us set up and tear down for the first couple of months um, until we kind of get the hang of that, because we're going to need a lot, of, a lot of help. You guys know what it's like to put church on in a school. Um, so uh, those are the three levels we have. If anything interests you, um, or if you just want to get more information, you want to know how to pray for us, come see us at the back. Uh, we'll be back there. Um, and everyone can help in some form or fashion. Um, so the question is, which area are you going to get involved in? So let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for how you love us. And um, God, just how you have used and orchestrated the church to be the agent to present the gospel into our communities. Um, we thank you for um, the church at Cane Bay and how um, they have put our arms, their arms around us already. Um, thank you for their commitment to church planning in the city and presenting the gospel to every man, woman, and child um, in our area. I pray, God, that we would um, do this together and that we would see some really cool things um, because of you. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. BJ, I'm thankful uh, for you, man. I'm thankful for the vision that God has gifted you to reach that Knightsville area, the Somerville area, yeah. and we're, uh, we're partners with you. And, uh, and I want to see us uh, move into you know, as, as a church, uh, one of the things that we're going to do is, is uh, give uh, to the Pines Church a, a fairly large offering to help uh, with, with awesome. this $10,000 stuff and, you know, stuff that you need for launch. And uh, we're going to be hooking you up with that kind of stuff cool. but financially. But so, so when you give, we're going we're gonna to give in just a second, but uh, when you give, it's part, we save up money. We even have a whole fund for stuff like this. We're able to uh, cut a check to Service is over. Uh, go meet them and their families, and uh, and, and see. Because we're going to be 